celebration. Life, 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 sports, sports. A celebration. Welcome, America, to the TC and Jake show. A celebration of life through sports. Pick up the phone moment Monday. Live with you. From the Oval Office of the LifeLock Studios. And now, here he is, TC and Jake. Welcome in, folks. It's me, TC Fleming, here with Jake Kemp. Uh, we were talking last week. Jake, what what caused us to wonder about the uh, the lives of the unhoused, of the people experiencing unhoused? I think probably the best person to answer that question might be our guest, because I don't recall <laughs> okay. at all. I honestly, people don't know this, um, other than maybe TC, but I forget what we did from noon to three by the next morning, almost every day. So the podcast has no chance. Yeah. Just no, no chance at all. It's just, it's just a weird thing. Wife will ask me, what'd you guys do today? And I don't, unless we had a Capitol rioter in studio, I typically don't remember. (laughs) But you know, luckily and for you, that happens often enough, you know? Sure. Yeah. Your, your weekly, <laughs> weekly <laughs> get to Brought know to the, you by? The, the men and women of J six. <laughs> yes, of course. Um, but yeah, no, we, uh, we 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 have our faithful listener Kraft on with us. I assume it's okay to use your first name. I guess I should have asked. <laughs> it's okay. It's all good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, do, do you recall why we were talking about people who are experiencing unhoused? I do. Um, it was the return of Uber stories, and uh, uh-huh. y'all were wondering why the guy wanted to ride across the uh, under the highway as opposed to just walking from hotel to hotel. Yeah, and I I uh, reckoned that might have been hostile territory. <laughs> yeah, so that's exactly what it was. Is just why would you not, especially if maybe if you're not doing so well financially, why would you not just walk under the bridge? And yeah, maybe that's a, a hot one. Maybe that's a hot zone. <laughs> I can't stress enough. It looked like a very nice Bald Springs bridge. I would, I would take, I would uh, picnic with my family under that bridge anytime. <laughs> okay, family photos. Um, but yeah, that led to us saying that you know we got a lot of questions. Uh, <laughs> the whole thing, uh, you know, it's it's a slice of life that we've never personally experienced. There's probably a lot of surprises for us in there. And uh, Kraft emailed and said, if you guys have questions, I do have answers. I myself was experiencing unhoused for a time. Uh, and so, yeah, I'd, I'd love to hey, hear Can more I say this that. real quick, though? Uh, it's yeah. kind of like with a lot of other terms that aren't PC. Like, we call it that, but he, because he was, says homeless. Yeah, no, We have to come up with a <laughs> Byzantine <laughs> PC term for it, and he just uses homeless with the hard S. <laughs> yeah. My wife's actually a uh, social work uh, professor at a university, so she's like experiencing homelessness, and I'm like, oh yeah, bum. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I know about them fucking hobos. <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's just uh, start however you want to start. How did we, what's your background? How did you end up in this situation? Uh, we definitely want to thank you for informing us that you've listened to the podcast at a homeless shelter, so... Just tell us a little bit about yourself and we'll kind of go from there. Okay, so I guess I'm, I mean, I don't know what the typical homeless person is, but I'm from a, uh, a, a upper middle class area. Like I'm from Grapevine originally. So, you know, not not a lot of people in the Fort Worth homeless shelter. They were like, oh, hey, you're from Grapevine. Me too. Go like, Mustangs. It was, uh, yeah, yeah, Mustangs. G's up. No, not a lot of that. So, um, yeah, I mean... In that way, it's untypical, but like how I ended up there is is pretty typical in the sense that like I don't know uh, mental health, like drug addiction, obviously, probably as a result of the mental health. Like I graduated high school, I was doing really well in school. I'd always kind of messed around with like some drugs, probably some harder stuff than I should have, and then I kind of got the freedom of after that, and I I fell pretty heavy into it, and then. I think on top of that, like depression and anxiety just riddled me. And um, like my family really didn't know how to treat it. Like they didn't know what it was like to them. It was like, oh, he just doesn't want to work or something like that. And like my experience would be like, I would like go to like 
a job interview and like i get an anxiety attack and i just like walk away i wouldn't even walk in and stuff like i really wanted to work and like i wanted to be successful i wanted to be a contributing member of society but like between like depression anxiety and then to kind of cope with that alcoholism and drug addiction it just wasn't happening so um my parents are divorced so they kind of like my uh my dad lives in Houston. My mom, my mom and stepdad live in Grapevine area. So they kind of kicked me back and forth, like throughout, like after that, you know, that summer after high school, like the day after I graduated, I went and lived with my dad and like, nobody really knew what to do with me. So they'd kind of just like send me back and forth. And eventually like one of those times I just kind of was like, nobody's helping me. I don't know what to do. I, uh, wasn't asking for help like to the like i i could have as opposed to going homeless i think i could have like called a friend and been like hey can i live in your on your couch for a while or something like that but like i don't know and in hindsight like looking back on it like i think it was definitely related to the the anxiety depression like i didn't do that i just uh one day i took a bus from houston to fort worth and i just didn't tell anybody i just walked got off and like you know, started walking towards, like, I had my phone, so I kind of Googled, like, Fort Worth homeless shelters, and I just kind of, like, walked towards where I thought to go, and it became increasing more and more obvious as I got closer, like, okay, we're in the right area. Um, we're talking, like, then, Lancaster? Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah, exactly. I My first night homeless, I spent at the Presbyterian Night Shelter. Yep. I hope I could say that. Uh, it was down there right off Lancaster. Um I stayed at all of them at one point or another. I stayed at Union Gospel Mission, Salvation Army, um, ate at all of them. So, yeah, I kind of just worked my way down there and um, kind of just tried to figure it out as best I could. Um, asked, you know, walked up to one of the shelters and was like, I need to stay here. And they were like, you uh, you need a you need a like card, which I was like, well, where do I get a card? And they're like, well, if you come back at, you know, at 2.30, we'll get you a card. So then I came back at 2.30, I got the card, and I was like, all right, so can I stay here now? And they were like, oh, well, no, because you to stay here, you have to be here before 2. So I was like, well, where do I stay? They're like, I don't know. That's 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 for you to figure out. So, like, I kind of just, like, walked around all night and just, like, walked through downtown until the next day at 2 o'clock, and I was there and stayed at the shelter that night. So Now, were, yeah. you, in, were you in fear? Like, so you're what? You're, like, 19 at this point? I was 21. Okay. 20, yeah, 21. Okay. Because I, I, I bounced around after, yeah, from, I guess that made weird sense, but I bounced around for a couple of years yeah. in between my parents' house. It wasn't just like that. So, yeah. Well, so I guess my first follow up is just like, yeah, I mean, if you live in an area like Grapevine um, and you've spent most of your time there, I mean, dude, if you go over there now, I mean, I was there not that long ago. It's, a, it's, it you could it's indistinguishable from a foreign country like a third world foreign country so are you like afraid for your safety at that point or were you i don't i don't know where your mindset or your headspace was you know um i was at certain points overall i felt like if i stayed like i knew where not to go and like figure that out pretty quick like i stuck to the um to like the services or close by to them because like a lot of people, and I kind of did this as I got to know people a little bit better as I was there longer, but especially at first, like I basically just stood right beside the shelter, like, or right next to it because they at least had some security. Mm -hmm. Like, so like I was definitely scared, but I, I just knew not to like, or I guess I tried to as best I could handle that and not like go too Break far. down. Yeah. 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 And that was the other thing is it's kind of like, it's kind of like being in jail. Like, you know, you can't act scared. Like that's, that's not going to, A, that's not going to help you. And B, that's just going to tell people like, okay, he's definitely new here. And like, there's, there's definitely people that are either going to want to scam you or rob you or something like that. And that are going to be like, oh, you're new. Like, oh, let me show you the ropes. Like you definitely get like the first like couple days, people would often offer like, hey, let me, you know, I could show you around. Yeah, I, I got you. Just hang out with me. Like, but like, I don't know. I kind of always just was like, oh, I'm, I'm good. I, I'm staying here and would just like try to avoid that as best I could. 
You didn't think they were in a pay it forward situation. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, you thought you, you might know, end up like an end of pay it forward situation. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely nice. some people that, that are, but like, I'm not willing to take that gamble. So, yeah. So did you, uh, was treatment, uh, a part of this at all at this? Like, did, I mean, first of all, have you been to like inpatient ever? Yeah. So part of me, like when I was saying bouncing around, like I, I went to rehab probably three, yeah, three times before that. Um, like my parents, like I said, from a nice area. So like the first time they like, were like, oh, he's struggling with drugs. They like sent me to a really nice rehab. Then after that, I went to like a little lesser nice rehab. And the third time I went to like, you know, kind of like uh, what's called Pine Street, which is like the state owned, I guess, state yep. run rehab. So it's right down there too, or was. A lot of this has probably changed because it's been a couple of years ago. Like I walked around the, or like wrote, drove around there a couple of years back and it was like kind of unrecognizable in the sense that like they built up a lot of stuff. So, yeah. So, so what, at the what point, years are we talking about? What years? Uh, 20, I was trying to think of 2013 to like 2014 okay. in that area, maybe 2015. Cool. Uh, yeah, 2014 to 2015. And so how, how long was this? How, how long did you end up being homeless? Uh, it was kind of an off and on thing. So like mm-hmm. the longest stretch at first was four months. And then um, my parents basically were like freaking out. So they kind of just like got me a cheap apartment in like the mid cities and like were like, hey, stay like here's a six month lease. Stay here and like figure it out. And like at the end of that lease, like I had nothing so i was right back to where i was Mm -hmm. back homeless as far as like the treatment aspect you kind of asked about like um it's it's there kind of it's really hard to like to uh get the resources that are there if you don't like know how to do it at the shelter at the shelter yeah yeah. there's like a wait list for everything and Mm -hmm. this was back then from what i hear like i still have some friends that are people acquaintances that are still kind of struggling with it and like it's only gotten worse from what i hear but even back then like you know you'd you'd like show up at the rehab and they'd be like well call this number every day at whatever time and we'll try to get you into a detox bed and it's like okay well you know i pawned my phone at one point so it's like that's that i can't do that you know so you know and then some of the shelters they would just like Basically, they'd send you to NA meetings, AA meetings, stuff like that. Um, if you were like belligerent, they would like start drug test or like start alcohol- breathalyzing you and drug testing you. But I don't know. I've never been like the belligerent type, like especially in that situation, even if I am like pretty gone, I know not to like pick that fight. So, you know. <laughs> so were you, uh, I mean, obviously you were still like battling it when you were in those four months and then we'll get to what happened after the, the lease. But like, so were you... Like, for lack of a non-NYPD blue term here, like, scoring while homeless? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I got down there and I was like, well, this will be my rock bottom. This will be great. You know, like, I, you know, like I said, I've been to rehab. I was like, this is my rock bottom. Like, I won't be able to get drugs. And, like, what I found is that, like, drugs are, like, really, really cheap down there. <laughs> like, very cheap. So, like, the first day, like, I was already, like, figuring out, like, a lot of people either at that point i was just taking pills so like a lot of people were like hey i I have this prescription for you know hydrocodone oxycontin whatever it is and like they just wanted alcohol or whatever it was so they would like flip those to me i started figuring out like oh there's you know go donate plasma so like i was doing that for the money then like going around and buying pills from people so yeah yeah Uh, short answer yes like definitely bought like methamphetamines too down there so uh, smoke crack down there. So yeah, yeah. Man, that's wild. So yeah, yeah. So uh, you you donate plasma. Like you're not. Sh- were you? You look like you had track marks, even though you weren't shooting. <laughs> no, at that point I wasn't shooting. At that point, well, eventually I would. It would lead to that. Like, but at that point I was not shooting because they they would like check you and stuff. So that was always kind of my reason to not shoot up and inject drugs because i was like oh you know i won't be able to basically the only source of income i have is this so yeah that was kind of what kept me from it so how much do you get from plasma either Um, of you can answer 
I think it's like a hundred <laughs> bucks, isn't it? The first week, the first five times it was fifty bucks each time. I want to say if you came back twice a week, that sounds right. And then after that, they would give you like twenty or thirty the first time and sixty the next or something like that. From my understanding, it depends on your weight because, like, if you're real small, they can't get as much. So, oh, so I can. This was I all could give a good amount ago. of plasma, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you like leave there, and like your tolerance is very low. And apparently, it's really, really bad for you. But your tolerance is very low. Yeah, yeah. I hear that. <laughs> Were you communicating with your parents at all throughout that four months? And like, how often did they ever like drive down there, or what? What was the scene like with that? Towards the end, they did. At first, it was like no communication. At first, I didn't tell anybody because, like, I don't know. There was a lot going on. You know, it, I could say it, and it kind of sounds a lot simpler than it is but there's a lot of like emotions like anger everyone was kind of mad at each other obviously so um at first i didn't and then like after two weeks my mom like called me and she's like where are you and i like told her i was like i'm at the presbyterian night shelter and she's like you know bullshit like absolutely no you're not and i like it's like i absolutely am and like uh we didn't talk for a while after that and then towards the end there like my uh my stepdad like came and like picked me up down there once and like went and like we drove around and talked and stuff and then uh yeah that was but it wasn't a lot like maybe every three weeks they would like reach out to be like say something you know yeah but not like a daily communication yeah what was the sleeping situation like when you did get a bed um i would say all bunk beds probably smaller than a twin bed very similar to jail, uh, but like probably 200 beds in the room, Damn. 200 bunk beds. Like it's very, like you said originally, like very, it, it doesn't feel like you're in America. Like um, a lot of bed bugs. Like I didn't know. I, I've heard of bed bugs, obviously, but like I didn't know that like that was what was eating my neck every night. Ugh. But then like somebody like I was standing at the bus stop one day and somebody's like, those bug buds, they like got to you real bad last night. And I was like, that's what those are. And they're like, yeah, absolutely. So like, I definitely was just like carrying around bed bugs for like a month or so and had like no idea, nothing, no, you know, but it's just like, that's what's going to happen. So. so then as far as when you don't have a bed, um, are you looking for like encampments? Do you find your own spot? Like what are the nights like? And I'm sure there are a lot of them were different, but when you don't uh, find shelter at shelter. Yeah, so, like, that first night, like I said, I kind of just walked around for the Earth all night, but then, um, after that, so, like, one of the problems that I ran into is, like, there, you can day labor, but the problem with day laboring is, like, they're not going to have you back before 2 o'clock, so it's going to be harder for you to get a bed. The later back you are, the, like, less certain thing a bed is, because the shelters, whenever I was down there, at least, they all wanted you in there before, like, 2, 3 o'clock. And even if you, the later you go, the less likely just because like they fill up and like some of them have a hard out where they're like, oh, after this time, absolutely not. Some are like, eh, maybe, but like the times I didn't have a bed, like one, I would kind of just like sleep in front of the shelter. And like, mm -hmm. that could be a problem too, because like you can definitely get a uh, cop to like, that'll come by and like give everyone tickets for trespassing like, I definitely got a trespassing ticket at one point because I was, like, sleeping under a bridge, like, off to the side over in that area because it was raining real bad. Um, but, like, there's a lot of encampments, too. I stayed in an encampment once, but, like, kind of back to the safety thing. Like, that, they, you always hear about people getting robbed or, like, assaulted at those kinds of places. So I, I kind of avoided them for the most part. So Man, yeah. just imagine giving someone a ticket for fucking going under a bridge because it's raining. Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah, well, just imagine that uh, it's not that individual, but it's the entire uh, system set up to make that happen. Yeah. You almost yeah. excuse it if it was just an asshole. Now, they have discretion for sure, but still. Yeah, no, no, I, was... I, yeah I mean, you're you're absolutely right, but I, I, just, I just can't imagine the guy like standing there, you know, because like – your fucking office, your supervisor's not there. Just be like, yeah, there's right. no one around. I don't know. I can't, I can't tell you. Yeah. So I guess they would like also search for people with warrants doing that. But like, yeah, they would just like line you up, write you a ticket. Like, 
Yeah, there'd be a bunch of people too, and I think they do that pretty regularly at all the encampments and stuff too. But like, it's a way. I guess their excuse or their thought is it's a way to look for people with warrants because or people that are wanted. So yeah, you know, the quickest way to make sure that someone has a warrant is write them a ticket when they're <laughs> homeless and they they don't have a source of income. Uh, to pay it or pay an attorney. Uh, yeah. It seems like they're sort of creating the problem they're trying to solve. But Yeah. Uh, so at the end of the four months, uh, and like I guess were you ever involved in like a physical situation violence-wise? At I any was point? never involved in any violence. Um, I kind of knew like how to not get into those situations, like just by looking at it and avoiding it. But like, yeah, I, I never was physically assaulted. I've seen people that were like physical situations, but never me personally. No. Did you get did, robbed or stolen from or anything? I did, but it was uh, I was sleeping and somebody stole all my stuff out of my backpack. Fuck. Yeah, so like that was a whole problem because then it's like I can't donate plasma. I can't really do anything except for like illegal day labor to get any money. And then I have to like figure out how to go get a social security card then to get once you get the social security card then you can get a license like yeah it was a whole like real problem so did you uh pick up on any like hierarchies i mean i know you said you were able to like you know avoid the more uh tense situations that could result in violence but did you pick up on like the network of power um it's okay so like in jail there's like a very set hierarchy right in a homeless situation it was much more like day to day but there was one like for sure there's a reason like when you when you like see somebody flying a sign at a stop sign or whatever there's only one person on that area like it's it's kind of a territorial thing and like i don't want to speak in like every all home you know all people in that situation but like a lot of times they have a knife or something like that like or you know there's a way they're able to keep that area so i personally just kind of avoided those situations and um you know, I, I've seen people pull them, like, show a knife type thing, and that's always been my, like, sign to, like, all right, let's go ahead and get out of here. So, yeah. yeah. What uh, what were you doing for showers and stuff? How often was that? Um, That was a problem. So, like, all the shelters when you stay there at night do have showers, so I would shower. But um, a lot of times there's, like, a huge line, you know, I was a younger guy, so kind of intimidated by the whole situation, I guess. Cause, but um, I would shower uh, a couple times a week, maybe, well, probably weekly at least. And um, what do you do with like, your stuff during that time? You kind of just like put it in the shower with you and like Fuck. push it off to the dry side, and then just put it back on. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's not ideal. I remember the time that I was like, hey, this is a problem. I was at the library, not the big one downtown, but like one of the satellite campuses. And I was like sitting there working on the computer, doing some like job stuff or messing around or whatever. And like the librarian came by with like a Lysol can and like basically sprayed me. And I was like, I think I stink. Like, I think. <laughs> Jesus. I like turned to the guy beside me. I was like, man, I, I think we smell really bad. And he's like, why do you say that? I was like, she just sprayed us with Lysol. Like, <laughs> She walked across the room to spray us with Lysol. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so at the end of those four months and then the six months, I mean, I guess during that six months, um, just what was day to day like when you did have the apartment? Was it pretty much just still dealing with the addiction? Like, did you have any sort of steady income? No. So like I would basically did the same thing I was doing. Um, I got really like deep, like down dark because like i was very i was much more isolated in the apartment than i was on the streets because like after four months like i kind of had like a little group that i was running around with and stuff do you guys have but, a like, name I, do what do you guys have like a cool name or any disgusting no. brothers <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so, yeah but like i don't know i was younger so like all the young people kind of stick together and like the old people like kind of despised us because like you know typical stuff like we'd have like uh, gay people in our group and they'd be like oh y'all are all you know y'all are all hooking yeah. up with each other and stuff like that and it's like no nah, it's not like that we're just you know different you know so but yeah no so i got, got to the apartment and i was like very lonely i got like really depressed um 
I ended up like one night calling the cops on myself and uh like they took me to JPS for the night and um that kind of thing. But uh what the whole time What would what, what like what did you call them what 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 did you report yourself for? Okay, so I guess I called like a, a suicide hotline mm-hmm. and I was like I'm going to like kill myself and like said some like words like that and they like called the cops and like for me i guess is the better way of saying it but i kind of knew that was what was going to happen if you said that so mm-hmm. um but yeah like a cop like shows up at my place and he's like he like pulled you know they cuff you put you in the back and like we get there it was kind of funny because he like tried to like have them like like the uh, talk with me like i'm gonna i'm here to like change this this guy's life and he's like you know bud you just you just can't do this you just can't <laughs> just can't do this oh okay uh, <laughs> fuck like, okay when you put it like that but he's like you just, he's like you can do a lot of things but this is not one of them and i was like all right and he's like i thought it was going somewhere and he just took me inside <laughs> like, yeah yeah because if you do this one the thing is you can't do the other ones <laughs> yeah i also think it's funny the suicide hotline works like nba technical fouls where it's like you can say a lot of stuff and you can kind of dance around it yeah but if it's, you hit the uh, one word, then they piss. They push the big red button. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's very much like that. If you're talking about like any sort of violence to yourself or others, like they're like, so uh, so so where are you at right now? Yeah, <laughs> like try to sneak it in there, and you're like, oh, I'm, you know. So yeah, yeah. Did but, JPS make you do like the seventy-two hour like eval thing? I've had family members who have been subjected to that at that hospital. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's a uh, it's a more common experience than I think. Like, it's probably talked about for obvious reasons, but uh, yeah, I definitely had to do the seventy two hour thing. Um, they like messed with like putting me on some meds, and um, basically after that, they're like, "All right, you're good to go." So then I like went back home. So yeah. was it like a uh, maltrexone, like or what naltrexone? Like they have? Have you ever taken anything like for addict like to? make you not want to do drugs i have i've taken um oh what's that the opiate one i can't think of the name off the top suboxone of my right or whatever suboxone yes yeah i've taken suboxone and subutex but um at that situation they did not a lot of those like whoever's running the hospital like it kind of depends who's who's in charge at the time whether they use that kind of stuff same with the rehabs like i've had rehabs where like you walk in and they're like oh opiates here you go and then i've had other times where it's like i'm dying and they're like you know let's let's pray about it brother like yeah jeez yeah so uh what what happens when the lease is up like where are you at with the family where are you at you know personally and then what happens next okay so after the lease is up um basically like i they like at the first thing I could tell you is like when your lease is up, they like, they don't make you leave that day. Like they, they come that day and they're like, Oh, you're still here. Surprise. Like, are you looking to renew your lease? And I was like, uh, maybe. And so then I just kind of avoided them for a couple of days and like, they'd like knock on the door and like, I just act like no one was home or I'd be gone all day. That kind of thing. Like come late at night, come early in the morning. But eventually they like, I showed up and there was like, an eviction notice on the door and stuff like that. So after that, I just kind of walked or went back downtown and, um, I, so at that point, all right, this gets a little dark, um, drug addiction. We all kind of know that it kind of goes one way. And, uh, for me that involved, like I knew my parents were out of town at that point and I broke into their house and stole like a bunch of stuff and, uh, went pond and sold all that stuff off. And uh, for drugs, at this point, I was using heroin, like, basically daily. And, um, well, yeah, definitely daily, heroin and cocaine. So um, I did that. And shortly after that, I was back living on Lancaster. And, like, basically a bunch of police, like, walked up to me one day, like, uh, are you uh, such such? I was like, yeah, uh, yeah, I am. Uh, what's up? And they're like, all right, put your hands behind your back. And they took me downtown after that. So, yeah. For theft? Yeah, theft. So your parents, so my parents got uh Yeah, my parents got back and uh, like all their stuff was gone. Or not all their stuff, but a lot of like stuff, valuables were gone. And um, 
when that happened, they like called the cops and the cop was like, so, um, tell us about yourself. And I guess like pretty quickly they're like, oh, we do have a son that like is a drug addict living on the streets. And he's like, well, tell me about him. So like, <laughs> right. <laughs> he's done this. I'm before. not exactly. The cop has yeah, like, been well, in these situations prior. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't exactly call myself a smooth criminal, like, you know, for obvious reasons. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, they basically are like, we think that it was him. We're pretty positive it was him. <laughs> and, like, they went and found a lot of the stuff at pawn shops. And uh, I guess to get it back, like, you, you can either buy it back or you can press charges and they, like, give it back or something. I don't know. I was not involved in that aspect of it because I was in jail. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, they did press charges. So then did you uh, did you go to jail for that? Like, how long... So, yeah, I'd been kind of in and out of jail for misdemeanors throughout. I got arrested the first time when I was 17 at high school for, for having, like, one of my friends that smoked a joint in the backseat and, like, forgot to flick it out the window and just kind of sat on the thing. So I'd been in and out for, like, misdemeanors. But uh, at that point, I was on probation for a DWI that I'd gotten a couple years ago, mm-hmm. a couple years before. And um, So the whole time you were homeless, you were on probation? Yes. Yeah. Misdemeanor probation. Were you like so. meeting with a person? No, because no, I, I never met with that. I did it earlier in the probation experience, but at that point, like I was pretty late in it. But um, so I didn't have to. OK. But when I got these felonies, they basically took me downtown. And obviously that was a severe violation of my probation. So that was compounded with the felonies that I'd caught. So, yeah. So how long I also got. How long you go away for at that point? Um, so I spent eight months in county, and then after that, I went to something called Safe P, which is like the substance abuse felony punishment thing. Yeah. Some one of the guys y'all talked about talked to on the radio. Uh, he 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 did it also. I remember hearing uh, the the Nike guy. I think. Yeah. He said he did Jordan Rogers. Yeah. 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 Jo- yeah. 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 It yeah. was heroin for him as well. Yeah. Yeah. So um. They sent me, I basically, I went downtown and like literally the second day I was like, so, uh, I asked like one of the guards, I was like, so, uh, how do I like plead guilty? Like, let's, let's do this thing. And he's like, um, it doesn't work like that. So I basically sat there waiting for trial, waiting and like they would get kicked around, like, you know, lawyer wouldn't show up or, you know, push back, push back. So I sent and then once I did sign, I had to wait to what they call catch chains. So then once I did that, I went to, uh, basically it sounds like, uh, the drug school you went to TC, but like run by the TDC. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah. So was that the, that was that the, the bulk of like, or I guess the, that's all you got sentenced. I'm not saying that's a light deal, but so you had eight months counting and then how long at safe P, uh, six months at safe okay. And then, and- uh, three months at a halfway house yeah so since like my parents were the victim like it that situation was a little different for me because like my mom was like hey i just want him to get help like i don't want you know so like she was in contact with the da at that point so yeah it was like a little different than like i guess it would have been otherwise did you get treatment in county at all or is it just Uh, like you're here fuck you no i didn't get treatment i asked for treatment in county and they were like I never heard back. Like, I think they do offer it, but like, I, I don't know. Maybe I didn't qualify for it or something. I don't know. But like, I basically sent a, a kite asking for like, oh yeah, I'd like, you know, some information on the drug and alcohol, like addiction thing. And I, I never heard another thing. So yeah. Jake, do you, uh, do you have a heart out at ten fifteen? I assume. Yeah. Just more like know. 10, but ten fifteen's fine. Yeah. Okay. Just to know how many questions we have left here so i i've just always heard um or I, I, you know i don't know in reading about the homelessness issue one of the points that uh researchers will make is that uh like your, your experience of like you know that you were had it for the longest stretch being four months the, like you know you you're in the population do you, would is that pretty typical because i i think whenever like you know, I think we all probably have the experience of seeing the same person on a corner for like a year um, or and just like imagining that there's these people who's living out, you know, the rest of their 30 or 40 years on Earth in the in this encampment. And uh, 
I don't know. Uh, I I think that, that that does go against the stats to some extent. Certainly some people do that. Um, but I don't know. I, I guess I was just interested in like, you know how how permanent a condition is this? Like, do you, are most of the people that you run? I, I guess you're probably not even in contact with them. But to the extent that you are, you know, like, uh, what what happens for most people? Like, do do they does homelessness end pretty frequently, or what? What's the deal? Yeah, I, I think that, um, like you said, I see the same people, like some of the same people, like that. I was like, hey, that guy was on that corner whenever I was homeless. So like there are those people, but I don't think that that's the uh, majority. I don't think the majority are is like out there like that. Like I think the majority are like quickly trying to get their feet under them for lack of a better word. And, um, you know, I think a lot of people, it's even the people that are, are, I, you know, I still am in contact with a couple of the people I knew back then. And a lot of them are, at least they'll, 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 kind of bounce back and forth at the very least but a lot of them like um you know it's a lot of mental health stuff and if you could get the mental health stuff like figured out then like you know there is a possibility but like i don't think that the majority of people are homeless for more than like six months to a year i would be shocked you know if it's long you know there definitely are some people but i don't think that that's the majority at all then uh i don't know just thinking back to whatever you were saying at the beginning of like going into a office for a job interview and experiencing a panic attack and then leaving the office. Like, I don't know. Do you, do you have like a, a story that you tell about how you ended up there? Like, yeah, what, I guess I, I just hear that. And I, I, I see it like, you know, that that's the, uh, the tip of the iceberg. And then like, it, it suggests to me that beneath the surface, there's like some kind of experiences in early life that, you know, for challenging. <laughs> I mean, to a point, yeah. Like, um, my family, like, I don't know, like, it's 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 not as dramatic as it is for like some people. Like, sure. I, you know, uh, but like, um, but like, my stepdad was really, really, really strict and really hard on me, and like, would say things that were like really uh, negative that I would like internalize in a way that I don't think he realized. And like, you know, he's a great person. I have a great relationship with him now. I kind of see where he's going for, but it was a very harmful thing for me because like he would say things like, you know, you're, you're not hireable. You're not, you're not contributing member of society. And then like the negative self-talk for me would be like, I'd be driving there the whole way, like replaying that, like I'm not hireable. Like, kind of a piece of shit like this is this is not gonna go well like i'm not a good person like you know i had a very contentious relationship with my my parents throughout this like you know my parents were divorced and um i had a very contentious relationship that kind of fed into that whenever i would be going to that so like yeah i would lay at home obviously like super depressed and then like try to peel myself out of bed the next day and like go to a job interview then i'm pretty sure that i just didn't feel like i was deserving of getting so i just couldn't do it like i would sit there and i'd walk in like i'd go to the mall as like an 18 year old and be like i'm gonna get a job today and like i'd walk to these stores and like my heart would like start pumping and i'd be like all right next door next door not this one we'll, we'll hit this one on the way on the way around again so yeah 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 i feel that um I don't know. I, I feel you about the, you know, throwing people under the bus that like, it's just hard. Like just because so much uh, it's, it, there is like a, a push and pull where like, you know, certainly all the recovery experiences I've had, uh, you know, like a key, you're not going to be able to recover without deciding that like everything falls on you. Like no one else is going to fix these problems. Like, you know, just sitting around thinking about the other things that people did, like, yeah, that you're, you're not going to recover that way. You, you have to, you know, take control of your life. Uh, but like, on the other hand, like understanding like why we are there, like the kind of like a therapy parts of it um, is sort of the other direction. Because like, you know, whenever you're uh, a minor, like other people are having a big impact on your life. And if you want to understand why you feel the feelings you feel, knowing like what they did is an essential part of this. So like, I don't know. Yeah. It's, you know, it's hard. Uh, Cause you, 
you do want to just like observe the things that are going on. Um, but like you said, you know, you don't want like, you know, there has to be some responsibility on yourself at some point or else it's never going to change. Like you're always going to have the parents that you have. And so you could either keep being like, well, that's tough. So there's just no way. Or you could be like, it's not about them. It's about me. I can uh, make different decisions so that I don't end up in these situations. I don't know. Um, yeah. But uh, I, I am just very interested in how we make that transition. You know, like uh, it seems that you uh, you have a family now. You're, you're in a closet, a nice closet broadcasting to <laughs> us currently. So that, how do you end up with a closet? Like just from starting at like, I can't do a job interview uh, to like, and then it seems like it's much harder whenever like your resume is like, well, I've uh, been living in a shelter for the last X amount of time. Or in county. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I got this felony now. It's a felony theft. Like, you know, it's not even like a drug felony where they're like, oh, well, you know, you got clean. Drugs. It's like, yeah. oh, we can't trust you around our money. So uh, basically I got out and um, when I got out, I went to a halfway house for the, the 90 days. And where was, where was it? It was, it's called the uh, VOA, Volunteers of America. It's in uh, East Fort Worth. It's, it's like in the not, a, not as great part of town, but um, yeah. So I went there and I was able to like, there are people that like, I felt more supported there to get a job. So, and I, luckily for my time at Safe View, like my mental health stuff um, was under control, like yeah like you can find drugs in the county but you really have to like seek them out and stuff so um i was able to like get like over a year of clean time at that point and like that really helped me on that front also i was able to get my medications to a good point you know and uh just kind of start working through some stuff like you know through safety i had like therapy and like you know that kind of stuff was introduced to that kind of stuff which in my mind, that's like what I needed the whole time. Like, you know, I didn't know that. And obviously, like you were saying, like the people around me didn't know that, but they didn't know how to diagnose it. But like when I was able to get that, like and get to the clean time, I got out. Um, I moved into a sober living house after that. And like I just kept stacking clean days. Um, I met my wife in that time on Bumble. So, you know, real cool. But uh, did you I, did you lead with living in a room with five other dudes? <laughs> it was a tough sell, but uh, she actually was in the program of she was in the recovery program as well. So um, that kind of did you like see that in the profile or did you just happen to swipe on the fellow recovering individual? OK, so we like in hindsight, I'm pretty sure that there's like a a, a GPS component of the like a. Uh, tracking your location component of the like apps Mm -hmm. because like we were in the same meeting and then like that night we got matched so like okay i don't know maybe it was just pure luck but to me it kind of seems like okay yeah they they definitely like see if you're in the same room as somebody they're gonna kind of put you together with them maybe so that makes sense i i have a friend who uh married someone that he he worked they worked at the same place uh I guess I don't mind. None of this is embarrassing. I can just use names. Justin. Justin and Hannah worked at the same place. Uh, and, uh, you know, but, but met each other through that. And I, I'd always just yeah. thought that's an amazing coincidence uh, that they would meet on Bumble. There's no way. But, no but way. You're, yeah, now, now that I'm thinking about it for two seconds, I realize that uh, <laughs> the, the phone might be smarter than I'd given it credit for. Yeah, we had the same thought. We're like, wow, it's just meant to be. Like, what are the chances? And then, like, you think about it for a little bit, and you're like, oh, yeah, this is this is the, you know, big tech. Like, of course they're, t- <laughs> of course they're yeah. doing stuff like this. So so how long was, you said, 90 days in sober living? Oh, no, I stayed in sober living for, like, four years. Or, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, three, not three, three and a half years. I lived there a long time. I got really involved in it. Like, I really enjoyed it, like, it's definitely a luck thing. A lot of this, like, you kind of asked me where I'm at now. Like, I got really lucky with a lot of this stuff. Like, you get put in the wrong sober living house, like, you're screwed. Uh, you know, I just got really lucky. Like, I got put in a really good sober living house with people where they were, like, really patient with me. And then, like, I was able to do that for a while or for a long time. Live there for a long time. And then I got, like, super involved. Like, I was in, like, the, the Fort Worth chapter. I would go to, like, state meetings. 
you know, in this time, I started like building up trust with my family again. Like, you know, they started seeing me like I held down a job the whole time. Like, basically, I got a job in a warehouse, a frozen warehouse. So like, I didn't, I just kept it. Like everyone was like, oh, you should go for a better job. And I was like, no, like this works. Like I've got something that works for me. So I, I worked that for like four, five years. I actually worked it until I moved up here. And then like when I moved up here, I even tried it up here, but like they had me unloading trains and it was crazy. And I wanted to go back to school. So I stopped working at that. So, yeah. So, uh, for people who don't know, like if you're in sober living, it is, I mean, obviously it's not like being over at a shelter, but like you don't have your own room, right? At first, no. Uh, if you live there long enough, you might end up with your own room and I can't, you know, it's one of those things where they're all different, but like mine was just at a house. Like it was just at a house that we all like somebody owned and we paid rent on as like a group, but like you start out for your, at first you're, I think it's like, it's eight people. And the two rooms have two people in them. So for the first, until one of the single rooms opens up, you're kind of in a, in a room with somebody else, which can be a little like not great. Like you get some people that are like awesome roommates and you get some dudes that's like, yeah, that dude's on meth. Like for sure. Like he's been Were they, te- for- they weren't testing. Yeah, no, we would test, but like, you meth's know, meth's gone pretty quick, I guess. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But like, you know, you're like, Hey, this guy that I've, been living with has been up cleaning for 14 hours like, i should probably <laughs> tell somebody no it's just or Jake. like the opposite yeah so I, <laughs> yeah <laughs> but or I mean, the opposite you know. they've been asleep for like a day like that's pretty yeah. weird so you kind of police yourself which in my experience like some people have had like problems with that because like you know you get some people that are like not the greatest police or get on a power trip like i said i got really lucky like i've heard some people that have had some really bad uh, situations with sober living, but I had a really good one. So I lived like that for a long time until I lived there till I moved up here. I mean, the rent was 125 a week. So like doing that, working 40 hours a week, making probably $16 an hour. Like I was able to finally like save money and like, yeah. I also had tons of fees for probation and like the probation really liked that I lived in sober living. Like they were like, Oh, you live there. Like, you know, don't don't worry about taking a drug test this month you know that kind of thing which not a huge deal obviously i'd pass a drug test but like you also have to pay for the drug test and those are very expensive so like they they definitely stack up and make time to go down there yeah yeah and at at first i didn't have a uh a car obviously so like i'd have to like plan to take a bus from southwest fort worth all the way to like uh downtown and then get back or pay an uber to do it and like you know all of it adds up so yeah so then at what point in Sober Living did you meet your, are you married or is it girlfriend? I'm married now. Yes. As okay. of last year, I'm married. I'd been there for two years, I think. Okay. So I was pretty established at that point. Like whenever I'm saying like I'm in Sober Living, I'm able to also be like, oh, and I'm, you know, I'm on the board for the, for the uh, area, like that kind of thing. And was able to put it like that. So it, it sounds a little bit better. Plus I had some, you know, at that point I had like three years of clean time. So like that really helped too, you know? you know when she first met she's like you don't have like a day do you and i was like no no i've got like three years so that helped a lot Mm -hmm. sure is was she in a similar point she was uh at that point she'd been seven years sober she was actually like going to school at uta she was working on her phd at the time so yeah so did you ever live together before you moved to where you live now no so that's wild <laughs> yeah we we had been like really close and like she moved up here and then i shortly followed but i got my own place up here too okay um the good thing about ohio is it's it's really affordable like compared <laughs> to like texas like i was shocked because like, no oh, one wants a- to live there yeah no it's 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 rough but <laughs> sober living prices with your own room no for real it's, i think i paid less i was like telling all my like friends from the house i was like dude my rent went down like nobody's <laughs> rent goes down when they move to a one bedroom from sober living like that doesn't happen but like mine did so like yeah i i stayed up here for a year and then we like you know dated up here for a while then i we eventually moved in together so you said you kept in contact with some people um, that are still in that situation. I mean, 
I, I guess I'm just interested in how that works. Like, I mean, because you often hear people, the it's kind of from the makers of Welfare Queen. The uh, how does this homeless person have a phone? You know, how does this homeless person have this or that? You know, so I mean, I would imagine that a lot of times it's just you had it when you became homeless, and they're not they don't always cut your phone off right away. And if you're only homeless for a few months, you, on average, then well, that's how. Yeah, I, I mean, and. Like, I've definitely heard that, too, and, like, you would see people, but, like, I don't know, it's, it, and the whole time I've been homeless, like, you have to have a phone, like, you just, you just do, like, uh, you really have to have a smartphone, like, you know, one of the things that, like, people, you know, you've, you've heard the old trope, like, oh, you just need to go door-to-door at these warehouses or businesses and just go ask to speak to the manager, and that's how you get a job, and, like, I don't know, when you do that, they basically tell you, like, hey, won't you go get online and fill out an application. Mm-hmm. So like you really need a smartphone, even if you are homeless. And I know like, like you said, like the tropes, everything involved with that, that sounds really bad, but that's, in my opinion, that's the truth. So like most people have a phone, like you said, they usually, when they were ended up there, they had a phone that they keep up with. And uh, as far as like paying the bill, like a lot of them are like your month to month, like type places. And like, you know, there, there will be times where their phone only works on Wi-Fi or something like that, like, because they can't pay the bill that month. But then like, there'll be, you know, sometimes it's on, sometimes it's off type situation. Yeah. And I don't know. I just always, a phone costs a lot less than a house. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You know, if if you've got a little bit of money, but not enough for a house, it seems like a good stepping stone. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like um, it's Texas, a lot everything, a lot of stuff to like get around. Like you kind of need a car, unfortunately, in Fort Worth. Like the warehouse districts are not very accessible by bus. So in my experience, or a lot of them aren't. So yeah. Why? Uh, why did you choose Fort Worth? That was a good like my everyone asked me that, and um, I just kind of felt more comfortable in Fort Worth than Dallas because I'm from Tarrant County. Like I'd been to downtown Fort Worth, and I just kind of, I don't, there's not really like a good answer. Like I just kind of looked up everything and I was like, I think I can manage this maybe. So I don't have like a great, like, oh, this, you know, I also did have like, um, I was on probation in Fort Worth. So I was like, well, if I need to go downtown, I'm close to that or whatever. So, cause I was okay. on probation for the misdemeanor. So yeah, I thought about that a little bit, but like, honestly, it, it wasn't like some profound thought out thing. I just kind of was like oh you know i don't know yeah like i i see why los angeles has a big homeless problem i think that if i were homeless i'd be like well it seems nice out there yeah as somebody who lives outside of toledo now like i think dan mcdowell's made the point that if he were homeless in ohio he would just make his way that way and like yeah i totally agree like it's not <laughs> yeah. happening <laughs> yeah yeah, but no, now that you say that, like, I mean, I still don't know my way around Dallas that well. But even before I lived in Fort Worth, just growing up in, you know, sort of the mid cities, if I had to choose, I'd be like, well, I, I can do this. I can navigate this city without a map and without a phone. Like, you've been there enough times as a kid and as a teenager. It's like, all right, well. And also, it's kind of like uh, whenever you used to, uh, like, uh, March Madness, this is topical. There was a, an EA sports game. And really, what you wanted to do was choose, like, a uh a what do they call it not what do they call it in basketball tc not group of five not power five what what's the word i'm like a mid-major mm-hmm. <laughs> try to go win a title there <laughs> like just let's when we're first starting out like let's go to you know let's go to bethune cookman or something and see if you can <laughs> <laughs> see if you can work your way up uh easier road i mean it may not have been in your mind but it makes a lot of sense to me to choose fort worth over dallas yeah, and in hindsight, like, I haven't really thought about it, but maybe that was the wrong choice. Like, I don't know. Like, maybe there's better resources in Dallas that are easier and to And I mean, like, he, he was there in Houston are. when it started. Like, he took a bus from Houston to Fort Worth. Like, I Yeah, just, but it doesn't sound like he really knew anybody in Houston no. at all, though. Yeah. Yeah, I was very lost in Houston. I knew I did not want to be there. Like, I, I knew I didn't want to be there. And my dad was like, oh, I'll get you. I'm going to get you a ticket back up to Dallas. So like I could have stayed in Houston, but like, yeah, I, I didn't feel comfortable there. 
it's funny you ask that because like whenever my mom did call me that first week that was like her first question it's like why are you in fort worth <laughs> so she had the same question like why there uh and then i guess just last thing for me i you know the homelessness problem as someone who's experienced it like you know i don't know the what's your opinion on how this gets better like uh are, do you, do do you guys spend time like uh hanging out talking about like uh you know what are the policy, policy. interventions that yeah. could really solve this but i don't i just didn't know if you had any thoughts you know um it's a tough one i i think the 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 there's a lot of different ways that people end up there but i think if you had easier access to mental health services that could avoid people reaching there i know that would have been the case for me and a lot of people that i know um healthcare in general like there's a lot of people that are just like i can't really walk so i can't really get a job so i'm waiting for like everything to work out to where i can get some government support which like if that does work out it takes months usually so like they're just there waiting for that to go through so like you know i think if we could avoid like i think a lot of the healthcare type things and mental health care type things to where people can avoid getting there in the first place would be great. Um, housing, like I, you know, I think that getting people into housing is a good thing. Getting people off the actual street is a good thing, but like, there's also like, it's a very multifaceted problem. Like there's so many different people out there that like have so many different things that brought them there that like, I don't think you can ever totally eradicate it just because I don't know, maybe it's just the world I grew up in that I'm kind of jaded to it. But I think that uh, intervening before people get there could do a lot of good. I think that there are, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to speak out my ass here cause I'm not sure, but I'd, I'd be interested in what the homelessness rates are in the, uh, the Nordic countries. I, I think that there's places where, you know, enough welfare and uh, cheap enough housing you know, that combo is probably pretty potent, but yeah. For, for sure. And I think that probably would work. I just, I guess living here, I just, I don't know. It's hard to see. It's a long way. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're not like, very close I, right now. Yeah. So maybe if we could at least settle for some quick fixes on some healthcare stuff. Sure. Like, sure. That would be great. But I, I totally agree. Like, I think in, there is a world where it could be, you know, at least 99% avoided. So it's possible. I do like. I should rephrase that. It is possible. It's just hard to imagine that here. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, ultimately, like you know, why should we listen? Can you even vote, Kraft? I can because uh, I got my felony expunged. Uh, yeah. Look at that. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Look at well, that. I I Trump never was that, was that kind of the greatest. That was kind of the greatest day of your life is realizing you could, like, let's say Dennis Kucinich decides to run again. Yeah. <laughs> Now you're in a position in Ohio. To- <laughs> yeah. 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 I could vote. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I was actually incarcerated for the 2016 election, like when Trump was elected. So that was pretty crazy. Like, that was <laughs> crazy. With the, it was the county was a buzz. Yeah. The yeah. county. Yeah. We're all like, oh, he has no chance. And then the next day, wake, day, wake up the next day and like turn on the TV and it was like, oh my gosh, he won. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I we can think of few in there as y'all were more there. insane experiences than being in jail when oh Donald Trump yeah. won the yeah. president. That night and the other night that really stands up is I was also incarcerated the night that the, like those cops in Dallas were killed. Uh-huh. And like that was sure. very crazy because like we're all just like sitting there watching sports or something and they're like they locked it down for 24 hours and we had no idea what was going on. So Damn. That was really crazy. (laughs) Why? Yeah, they like locked it down. They're like, everyone rack up immediately. Like, they kind of treated it like somebody had escaped. Everyone's like, oh, somebody escaped. Somebody definitely escaped. And like, come Yeah, what are you guys going to do? Yeah. Don't got anything to do with this? Even after they let us out of like our cells, like they wouldn't let us turn on the TV for a long, like for like 48 hours after that. So then like a couple days later, we started to like figure out like, oh my gosh, that's why. So yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That makes no sense. Like, dude, I was homeless. Like, what do you think? I'm going to be shocked by the news? Yeah. Like, I, I'm living in the news. Dude, I guess they just didn't. I can see them support. being like, they might get a little too hopped up on this. They yeah, get a little <laughs> couple ideas. Yeah. Don't get any ideas, boys. <laughs> well, it sounds like you're doing uh, well enough now. Congrats on the baby. 
Yeah, yeah. I'm in school now. Uh, I have a I have a seven month old and uh, married happily. Uh, held down jobs, so I've you know I'm still involved in the programs of Narcotics and Alcoholics Anonymous. Not as much as I used to be, kind of loosely. Uh, pandemic kind of made that stuff weird. They were always those meetings were always kind of awkward. Then you put them on a Zoom call and they're even yeah. more awkward. So, but I'm still kind of loosely involved with that and just uh, yeah. Yeah, just going to school and holding it down. Cool, That's man. awesome, man. We're very happy for you. IJB Thank is you. proud of you. Yeah. yeah. I did listen to y'all like in shelters. Definitely listen to y'all in shelters. So was that yeah. the worst part of parting with your phone when you pawned your phone is realizing that you would get no more like horse fucking updates or So what I would do is I also had like an iPod at the time. So I would just like go to the library and download a bunch of mp3 files to it look at that tc that's commitment (laughs) man (laughs) so yeah yeah i or i guess it wasn't an ipod it was like some mp3 player at the time and i would just download a ton of it's just banter i also like when i got out like i had like the same deal like i had a mp3 player at the halfway house they wouldn't let you have a phone and i just downloaded like the past year's episodes and like or year and a half and i was like oh so they did a live show whenever Trump got elected. <laughs> That's yeah. crazy. See, what you you weren't able to listen to that for a year. Everyone else couldn't listen to it for about ten days. So you had a you had a different experience there. But ultimately, yeah, we did it for you. Listen, <laughs> Thank it was you. a challenging Thank time you. for all of us. It really was. <laughs> all right, man. Well, that's all I got. It's really, really nice to meet you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, thank y'all for having me. That's it for tonight. The high school special is next, so until tomorrow. For everyone who's been a part of this one, I'm TC and Jake. We do thank you for watching. Good night.